Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, ninth, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. Today is rapid-fire Q&A day. This is when I take all the questions that people have asked over the last week or two and give quick-hitting answers. I'm not going to take the time to do deep dives here, but instead I'm going to try to cover a lot of ground from the SAT to financial aid to COVID-19 to AP tests. And the reason I do this is because listener-generated questions are often the best, most relevant, and most timely questions because they're coming straight from you, who are going through this process in real time. So I hope they resonate with you. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I challenge you to try to answer these questions before I do. Make this into a little quiz to see how up to speed you are with college admissions these days. And I'll try to pause after each question so that you have time to formulate your answer, even if it's just in your head. And let's see how you do. Here we go. Question. Should my child worry about the SAT or ACT anymore? Or are these tests being phased out? Answer. No, they shouldn't worry about the SAT or ACT. They should study for the SAT or ACT. Don't fall into the trap that these tests will no longer matter. They may be less relevant in this small window of time, in this admission cycle, as we call it, but don't get complacent. These tests are not going away. Question. What's the difference between need-based financial aid and merit-based financial aid? Answer. Need-based financial aid is based on how much money you make, typically current income. So if you don't make a lot of money, you will likely be eligible for need-based aid because you, according to the formulas, need it. Merit-based aid, on the other hand, is determined by your child's merit, often their SAT or ACT score. By the way, another good reason not to fall asleep on the SAT or ACT because they are the things that generate your merit-based aid eligibility. Question, what are the best extracurriculars for my child? Answer, the best extracurricular activities are things that, number one, they can maintain for several years. That's what admissions officers refer to as duration. Number two, that they enjoy. Number three, that provide leadership opportunities. Number four, that are aligned with their longer-term career goals, if they have some, even if they're preliminary. And some quick examples might be an aspiring lawyer would do well by participating in and moving up the ranks of mock trial. Similarly, a budding entrepreneur would get a lot out of robotics club, for example. Question. Should my son apply ED to Dartmouth? Answer. 
for those of you who aren't quite up to speed on the jargon, ED means early decision. It means that if you get into the school, you must go. And by the way, you must pay what the school says you should pay. No negotiation. So to answer the question, if your son is 100% set on going to Dartmouth, it's his number one school by a long shot, and your family is willing to pay any amount of money that the school deems appropriate, and he would have no regrets, and you would have no regrets, and he would probably not get accepted if he applied in the regular decision round, then yes, maximize your leverage and apply ED. Question. Do Ivy League schools offer merit aid? No, merit aid is typically based on strong academic scores, SAT and ACT scores. And almost everyone who applies to Ivy League schools has high scores, so it's not a thing. Merit aid is offered by schools a tier below the Ivy League to attract students who can't get into the Ivy League schools or who can't afford Ivy League schools and need the financial support of a merit scholarship. Attracting students with high SAT and ACT scores helps these schools drive their average scores up, which helps them in the rankings. Question. Should my daughter, who's a senior, continue to try to take an SAT or is it too late? Answer. Yes, she should do her best to take an SAT test if she can. It is getting a little bit late, but having an SAT score, especially a strong SAT score this year, will set her apart from students who don't have one or have given up trying. Even though colleges are trying to claim that it's not going to matter, it's going to matter. Question. My son is an athlete. How is he supposed to get recruited during COVID-19? His normal season has been canceled and they're only playing scrimmages. Answer. The idea that your son is waiting to, quote, get recruited, unquote, is old-fashioned and out of touch these days, and even more so during COVID. Unless he is nationally ranked in his sport and a known entity by most coaches, which he might be, if that's not the case, then his job is to market himself to coaches, not wait to get recruited. He has to put together his own marketing campaign. How does he do this? Well, hopefully he has some video footage. He can take video footage of past games or meets or whatever it might be, and then add new footage, COVID footage, of him working out at home, training, lifting, running, doing skill work, and showing the coaches that this COVID setback has not set him back and has not stopped him from being the best athlete he can be. Build the relationship remotely until this dust clears, and hopefully he's gotten the attention of coaches who can then make a better decision. Question, what's the single most important thing my child can do to perform well academically in school? Answer, read. Question, what's the difference between going to West Point and earning an Army ROTC scholarship to a conventional college? Answer, Attending West Point is like having a full-time military experience in college versus having a part-time military experience in college as an ROTC student. You both end up at the same place after four years, but those intervening four years will be quite different. 
If you attend West Point, you pay $0. In fact, you actually get paid a small monthly stipend if you go to West Point. If you attend a conventional college, let's say Providence College in Rhode Island, on an ROTC scholarship, you get free tuition in most cases, but sometimes you have to pay for room and board. So not quite as generous a financial package. Now, at the end of the four-year college experiences, both students graduate with the same rank, if you will, in the military, and then serve in the Army as an Army officer for five years, roughly, also known as a guaranteed job. Question, is any college worth paying $85,000 a year? Answer, if the student or the student's family is wealthy enough, and it won't put the student or the family into severe student loan debt that could last for decades, or limit a student's options after graduation, meaning that they feel like they have to force themselves to do a job that they hate because they have all these school loans to pay back, then why not? It's no different from a family buying a high-end Tesla, if you can afford it. The problems arise when families put themselves into massive, crushing debt and they take out second mortgages, and they drain their retirement funds, all in order to pay these exorbitant prices. Question, what is single-choice early action? Answer, single-choice early action is a policy adopted by private schools, primarily the Ivy League schools, like Harvard and Princeton and Yale, that allows you to apply early to their school with no obligation to attend, like there would be with early decision, as long as you don't also apply to another private college or university early. Hence, the single choice early action. You can pick one private school to apply to early, but not several. But you don't have to go if admitted, like you would have to go if you applied early decision, as we talked about with the Dartmouth case. Question, when should my child begin to study for the SAT or ACT? Answer, the summer before their junior year, with the goal of taking an official test sometime in the fall of their junior year, September, October, or November. Question, which test is easier, the SAT or the ACT? Answer, neither one should be easier or harder. A lot depends on your child's test-taking abilities. And the only way to tell, for sure, is to take an at-home diagnostic test of both the SAT and ACT and compare the two scores. Some students do exactly the same on both tests, in which case the students should just pick the test they do they like better. Others do significantly better on one over the other, given that the tests have different formats. And by the way, if you're interested in doing this for free from home, reach out to me and I'll make it happen. Question, do Division Three schools offer athletic scholarships? Answer, no. Question, do Ivy League schools offer athletic scholarships? Answer, no. Question, what is the single biggest mistake students, and parents for that matter, make in the college admissions process? Answer, waiting too long to learn about it. And as an aside, as you probably know, this is the entire reason I created Preppel Academy, so people have a resource to learn about all these things before it's too late. Question. How will colleges view academic performance during COVID? Answer. 
well, I assume with a lot of understanding. They know that there are large discrepancies out there in the types of teaching and learning going on around the country, and they will do their best to assess differences in outcomes. With that said, please don't rely on COVID as an excuse to mess around, to not pay attention, and to blow off school, because that certainly will come back to bite you. Question. How much volunteer work does my child have to do to be competitive in the college admissions process? Answer. None. Colleges don't have quotas on volunteer work or community service. I know this is news to some parents who sometimes have a relentless drive to get their kids involved in as many volunteer projects as possible. In the end, colleges will not be scrutinizing why Billy had seven hours of volunteering compared to Jason's 92 hours, or why Sandy's volunteer hours at the soup kitchen slow down a little bit in junior year. They don't really care that much about it. Or I should say, they don't really give more credit or more weight to volunteer work hours over robotics or theater or a part-time job or any other activity. Unless, maybe, you wanted to go into the Peace Corps someday and volunteering was the defining part of your application, then it may matter more. But the idea that colleges are disproportionately impressed by hundreds of hours of volunteer work is just not reality. So if it fits into your student's greater profile, great. If it doesn't, don't feel compelled to force feed your child into hours of volunteer work that they're not particularly interested in. Question. Since SAT and ACT scores seem to be playing a lesser role in this year's college admissions process, what is taking its place? Answer. Essays and letters of recommendation. Essays should be particularly strong, grammatically sound, and thoughtful, and hopefully your teachers have great things to say about you. Question. My daughter's schooling is 100% online so far, and it does not look like things are going to change. What should I be most worried about in terms of her academic standing? Answer. Math. Falling behind in math. Math is a subject that relies heavily on building blocks. It requires an accumulation of skills over time that build on one another. So if your child's math instruction is lacking, do everything in your power to support them, to help them on your own. Find a friend, hire a tutor, engage with Khan Academy, pull out all the stops. Because a big missing link in math knowledge will be very difficult to recover from. Question. Should students take AP exams this year? Answer. If the students want to compete at the highly competitive colleges someday, and they want to provide colleges with evidence to highlight their prowess in a particular subject to bolster their application, I sometimes call this window dressing, then yes, they should do their best to study and prepare for the AP exams. Even if the test and the curriculum aren't exactly lining up very well, even if it means a lot of self-teaching. If, on the other hand, the student is not on track to compete at a highly selective college, or they're stressed out about it, and they don't like the subject anyway, then they should skip it. It's not required for one. Colleges likely won't ding them for not taking it, necessarily. They may not even expect it during COVID times, so it's probably not worth it. Question. 
What can I do to convince my unmotivated child to engage with all of this valuable information? Answer. Well, number one, listen to this podcast together with them while driving, preferably. The driving thing just seems to be less awkward. I've recorded several podcasts specifically for students to listen to. Now, I can't say that the podcast is a magic bullet, but I have had lots of parents tell me that the podcast has reached their teens. For whatever reason, maybe it's easier to listen to passively. It doesn't require reading. I don't know. Give it a try. And I know it can be frustrating because you know and I know how important this stuff is, but convincing the 15 and 16-year-old teenager is a different story. Expose, expose, expose. And hopefully, the message will break through at some point. And then, of course, enroll them in Preple Academy, where they will hear from me every week. Question. My son is scrambling to get his college essays done. Any advice? Answer. Yes, a lot of advice. Number one. I want him to think stories, not answers to prompts. Many students limit themselves by focusing too much time on the prompt and answering the prompt and too little time thinking and brainstorming about their best stories first and the prompt second. What else? Create an outline. The last thing you want to do is to just start writing until you hit the word count and then stop. Do not do that. You have to go in with a plan about what you want to say and why. Then start writing. Be economical with your writing. Eliminate filler words. Eliminate repetition. Irrelevant points. Don't go on tangents. You don't have that many words to work with. Also, do not replace every normal word with a fancy word from a thesaurus. Speak in plain language, please. And if you're going to write about a common topic, try to use uncommon language or an uncommon framework to present the common topic. Otherwise, it's going to be boring. And lastly, of course, no typos, proper grammar, and get feedback. Now, I would say get feedback from no more than two trusted people. If you start expanding beyond that, it gets crazy. That's going to be it for our rapid-fire Q&A today, as we're bumping up against time here. I hope this was enjoyable. I hope you learned something. I hope you tested yourself and had some good answers to some of those questions. If you like this format, let me know. Send more questions my way that I can include in future podcasts. And if your son or daughter is not yet enrolled in Preppel Academy and they're in ninth or 10th grade, please enroll them. The information that I present here is spread out week after week after week in their video lessons. And it gets delivered at just the right time to make sure it's relevant to them when it matters most. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the continued support. If you know a parent with an 8th grader, a ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th or 12th grader that might find this episode helpful, please share it with them. You can do that by finding that small box with the tiny arrow that sticks up. That's the share button. Click that share button. Text your friends the link with a little note from you recommending that they give it a listen. As always, if you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email. DM me on Instagram, prepple underscore academy. 
Take a look at our blog, Facebook page, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll your child today.